0: Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? Jamie? In our digital age, seemingly everyone is a branding expert. So who's the expert's expert? That would be Laura Reese, president of Reese & Reese Consulting, a global strategy firm located near Atlanta. Laura partnered with her father, Al Reese, the true pioneer of brand positioning. If you don't know Al and his work, search it now. We spent an hour, which seemed like five minutes, talking about Laura's career path, her writing and speaking, with some attention to topics she doesn't cover on other appearances, namely family business dynamics. This conversation was so enjoyable and informative for me. Please let me know if it's the same for you. Let's get to it. Welcome Laura Reese to Generation Excellence. Good afternoon, Laura, and it is Reese, right?
1: It is Reese, like Reese's Pieces Candy, but I don't get any money.
0: I have a a niece Reese, so it's great to talk to you, Laura Reese. Thank admire you. of your work and your family's organization and you know the things that you know started, I guess, really 50 years ago with a couple of articles in Ad Age that I became aware of maybe a decade later and books and speaking around the world and podcasts, but but also a business. And and it's I'm so glad you've been gracious enough to join and talk about uh your your business and maybe you know what it was and what it's doing today and where it's going in the future but i mean if we could for those who don't know you if you could talk about you were naming the original names sort of the original agency or business that uh, your father was a part of and and what kind of you know is the founding story the origin story if you will (laughs)
1: How long do we have on this podcast? It could be a while, but digital tape, we can go. (laughs) I know that is true, isn't it? Uh, I'm a digital photography lover and there's just no end. You can take as many pictures as you want these days. Um, So, but I will try to keep it short and sweet for everyone. So yes. Um, My last name is Reese, and um, that's also my father's last name. And he started an advertising agency in the Mad Men era, the Mm -hmm. 1960s, 1963 in New York City. Um, He was a boy from the Midwest, um, from a poor, poor family. His dad ran a one-room schoolhouse, um, and he he escaped. He was in the Army and the uh, Merchant Marines, Mm -hmm. uh, went to college, got a job at the advertising agency um, internal at GE uh, to make his mark and was in Schenectady for six years with GE and said, they said, nobody ever stays, don't stay at GE. And he left to go to Manhattan to become an ad man and uh, worked at uh, Marsteller and then started his own agency. But So how I came into it, and you mentioned, um, there is a 50 year anniversary and that's very true. When the, the articles that really changed the world were written on a concept called positioning. And that was the concept, um, that made my dad, who he is, um, the, the famous father of positioning. Um, so at his agency, um, he was trying to grow the business and they were just a little tiny B2B agency. Mm Um, and but they had a different approach at that time. It was all about creativity. It was David Ogilvy and creativity, and the you know, more creative the better was going to get your brand. And advertising was was more new back then, right? So people right. kind of liked ads. It was you know exciting, but. You know, over time, it, it didn't, but it quickly became annoying. Right. And people weren't, you know, watching and reading and paying attention. And so he did realize that and it, it was important. There was competition, too, a, among brands. And so what happened was uh, he first um, positioned it as the rational approach for their agency and then uh, became uh, trying to get a rock. He realized it was the mind. So having a your idea being a strong rock. And then it was, uh, what about, we call it a position in the mind. And that's where positioning came about. So um, those articles, um, he gave a speech on positioning and uh, Rance Crane, the uh, owner of Advertising Age, sure became uh, said hey that might make a good article for my magazine he was a he's a great writer and saw a good opportunity it became a three-part series and it was it was crazy because it was very controversial people called the positioning people cultists and uh, not you know they said that they were crazy and it didn't make sense and you know, you couldn't. Uh, it wasn't about the brain. It was about you know your messaging, your communication, um, and uh, so that that was good actually. Controversy um, it does drive excitement and interest, and got a lot of PR. But um, that's when I was a kid. <laughs> I happened to be fifty one, so I uh, was. Yeah. So uh, what what is
0: I, what is your earliest memory then of the business?
1: Oh, I've got plenty. So my, you know, my early dad,
0: early yeah. memories, plural. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, well, I, I the, the best memory is that my dad would take me to work. Mm-hmm. I was the only child of his second marriage. And the other children were much older and, and living in other places. So I was, you know, like an only child. So my dad would take me to work and we lived on Long Island and his agency was in the city. So I would you know, get the day off of school or it had to be a holiday or it was a holiday. Yeah. And I would, we would take the train into Manhattan and that was very exciting. And, um, and then you'd have, we'd have to walk to the agency or sometimes you, or no, we took the subway. That's right. We'd take the subway, which wasn't my favorite part, but I trudged along in the subway with my dad holding his big canvas bags with all his work. we get <laughs> to the agency and it was, um, well, for a kid, it was wonderful because they had the art director had a hundred different colored magic markers oh, I mean, this, yes. the marker and there was impacts. a copy machine i could use the copy machine and make as many copies as i wanted which was just a fabulous thing as a kid uh, but, and for you young people i know it's not very exciting because there's computers and you have iphones and all these things but we did not have any of that right. back then and so i was a terrible artist but um, I like to pretend to do what my dad did. So I used to make pretend ads and, um, you know, show them to my dad because the, when you're an only child, you don't have other siblings to do kid stuff with. So you tend to do more adult stuff. I see. And, uh, at dinner, I didn't have kids to play with. So I talked to my parents and my father, the only thing he did was, um, you know, we had, we had a little TV in the kitchen. And uh, we'd always eat around mash. I loved mash. My dad loved mash. He was served in Korea um, with the army. So that was always fun and great TV show. But it was more of the commercials that, was, that got my dad's attention and got the conversation going of what the company was doing, right or wrong, how the message was, what the positioning was. Um, and he was very animated about the whole thing. And so that was something... Oh. I was exposed to, you know, in elementary school Sure. <laughs> about which were the good ones and which were the bad ones. And, and, and so did companies.
0: you, did, so you always harbored the thought or the plan to, you know, to go into the industry, to this business, or did that evolve? Is schooling evolved? What, what? How did that come yeah, about?
1: It's a good question. I mean, I loved, as I said, going to the agency to see what what my dad was doing, to talk about brands and commercials that he was shooting. Um, I must say that my earliest dream, um, as many little girls, was to be an actress. Okay. <laughs> and because maybe you can't tell, but I'm I'm very I'm a bit dramatic. Um, I I'm I'm very happy to do interviews and um, and talk about uh, myself. And uh, so, but I did love the uh, idea of performing um, and and did plays, but actually my best performances were, you know, some kids are those kids that hate when you have to do the the, the project at school and present. Well, no, I was the, I was the nerd oh. who was like, I cannot wait to be the, uh, to do my project. And my father in second grade, we had to do something about the Romans and he had his art director. I had flip charts that the art, I was a terrible artist. So his art director had the Roman sandal and I had the professional Flip chart that he used to use to bring to agency meetings. Um, So I was doing that
0: easel and all of yes, I had the
1: whole easel and the you know it was on little cardboard about you know uh, but like legal size paper almost. Um, And and by quickly by fourth grade, I believe I was bringing in my own slide projector and doing my own slide projector presentations during the class. So you can imagine I was not very popular. I would just say, I, I not that I wasn't popular, but it was like, oh, here comes Laura. She's gonna have, you know, this over-the-top presentation. Um, and so yes, so th- that was all of these things were always in my blood, as well as, um, loving marketing and everything. But pretty soon by high school, it was pretty clear that um, I, I loved what my dad did, and, and I got was it. on was on a path to to pursue it.
0: And you go, then you go to you do studies in college. Did you? join the agency right after school? Did you work for some other entities to kind yeah. of
1: well, I, um, your skills? I, um, well, well, let's see. I went to Northwestern. So, I um, you know, that. of yeah. course, because he knew Phil Kotler, the famous marketing sure. professor who is um, at their business school. So, Um, you know, and, and Northwestern was, it just felt like a really good fit. It was near a city and, um, had a lot of uh, things going for it. So, and I don't know, I just wanted to get off the East coast, but Mm -hmm. Northwestern was a great experience. I, uh, one of the summers I interned with my dad's agency, um, at that point he had, um, closed the advertising agency because he was so well-known as an author and for strategy, he went full-time consulting. So that was right when I went to college. So I- spent a summer with him um, and Jack Trout um, as an intern. And that was, that was wonderful. And, you know, but I was very young, you know, my father was also much older than me. So he was 44 when he had me, which back in the seventies was pretty old for a dad. Um, And so, um, and that brings me to the point of, you know, after college, I, I got an internship with TBWA advertising right away that summer. And of course they, you know, offered me a job, not of course, but I was a very good intern, I must say. And so I worked as an, on the account team um, for, we worked on Avion and Willite. And yeah. so I was, um, you know, account assistant account, something or others, <laughs> but um, I did that for a year. And actually my original plan was like, I I really need some, I, I need some credentials. I was like, mm, uh, right. maybe I should go to business school. And so I applied after, but, you know, they say you have to work three years. Well, and I knew that time was ticking. And so I said, I'll just try to apply right away, get it out of the way so I can get right to my dad. And so, well, you know, Northwestern Harvard didn't take me. (laughs) And uh, I worked at the agency for a year and I said, I don't want to be at this agency. I don't, um, you know, what I didn't like about the agency is that, you really had to be nice to the client. And uh, I wasn't not that I couldn't be nice to the client, but I wanted to give them client the advice they didn't want to hear. All right. And most agencies, especially the advertising agencies that want to have very long-term relationships with a client are a little bit trying to tell them what they want to (laughs) hear, not what they need to hear. So, um, you know, I, I felt, and it was going to, I just want to be I wanted to do that kind. I want to do what my dad was doing. And that's what he was doing, giving companies positioning advice. And so um
0: so yeah. really the the strategy part of the space and helping yeah. and, and knowing how important it is if you help that business and those brands with their position and using all that, even data then. There was data then, even though there's oh there was oh, a, lot
1: a lot of data. The research and, was big. And
0: research definitely. and then others can do campaigns and activate that and other partners and everybody's going to be stronger for it.
1: Yes. It was always the positioning part of the, the meetings that um, were most interesting to me of, of, you know, figuring
0: out. And so your father has a partner, you said Jack Trout, that, that when you joined how, you know, there's, I mean, there's a more formal transition, you know, as, as you become more experienced and a partner and all that, but in those, you know, still younger years, how was just that dynamic with sort of you coming in and your father? Oh well,
1: well, here, All so here was the big decision though. Um, and, you know, it was quite clear. I talked with my father that, um, you know, he wanted me to join. I wanted to join. And so he thought about it. And obviously he and Jack were, you know, you know, senior, but Jack also had several children, one of which was a son that was a year older than me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, clearly me, just me coming in for and it to be me, Al and Jack would be weird, right? That right. would be tough. So he said, Well, the only way this would work is if I bring in Laura and Jack brings in Peter, his son. Okay. One of his children. So then then it would be, you know, the older generation and equalization
0: and yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: And you know, I would have someone to partner with and um it would be good all the way around. Um, and Jack actually was not in favor of that. Um, he hmm. didn't, you know, didn't want to bring in another generation. So Al said, okay, so, um, yeah, I'll just be starting the business with Laura. <laughs> and, and, um, yeah, he, um, he so they broke basically up
0: the- divided their business and yeah. you and they your broke father. Up the- yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, so- I, I, yep. I mean, that's not a typical path, but it happens. And that's why, as we said, both of us can be extremely passionate about great examples and bad examples of positioning and brands and, Yeah. Their words and their visuals, but you know, they had
1: they had been together then um you know almost you know two decades. And I think also they had written several books. Um, you know, my dad was always the lead author in writing the book, um, and and Jack, you know, would be running the agency. And um, you know, they talk about the ideas, but it was my dad who was, you know, pen to paper. You can't really have two people, you know, holding the same pen. It's right. It, you need a flow to a book. And and there were some things that my dad wanted to explore. And, and you know, when you have to co-author everything, it becomes a challenge. And so I think um, also and, you know, I think it was good for both of them to have some separation. And, um, you know, I, I feel it was very I, I only know my dad's side of it, but um, uh, he he really felt a lot of freedom in terms of writing the book focus in particular, um, and then we worked together on the the fall of advertising and the rise of PR, you know, some really books that took us in a, another direction. And, you know, and Jack did, is, did just fine as well and wrote, you know, Differentiate or Die and some yeah. other books. So, you know, really what, what both of them are uh, and, and me now, too, was was so different from the traditional um, other consultants out there. There was, there was plenty of work for everybody, which was, a so, great.
0: you know, now you've got a business. So now it's Reese and Reese, right? You're working with your father. Yeah. It's, it's a newer business, but it's continuing from, right. you know, what he's known for and you've got relationships and you're still trying to get new client engagements all around the world. Uh, it, and then at what point, like, um, you know, you, you sort of came up with hey, this seminal work that he did was very much based on these themes and slogans and theme lines and word power and space in in the mind. And then you're looking at the visual part of that. When was that? Was that an insight very early in your joining? Is that something you kind of worked out together, you know, to sort of, you know, make literally make your mark on the the business and and the market?
1: But um I feel like there were there were three phases. Cause listen, we we were together almost three decades. It was twenty-eight years. And I, I don't know if the people know, but I, I um my father passed away not that long ago, uh, just last month. Um, and at almost ninety-six, it would have been on the November wow. 14th would have been his ninety-sixth birthday. Sorry
0: about that. I mean it's why I reached to yeah. you. I I didn't know him but it was you know I felt like I did because of Yeah all, no a lot, lot, lot of, of people
1: did yeah you know, it, and, you know, because he really did feel, uh, I think, his personality in, in, in the writing. But yeah. so, um, you know, uh, you know, obviously, I've spent 51 years with him and but, uh, you know, three, three decades, really. And I, I think there were three kind of stages. The first 10 years, you know, I was really kind of learning the business, although I was never shy to speak up at a meeting. And, and what we do are these, you know, one day interactive strategy sessions with clients. So we're really in their face discussing. But, you know. He was the leader, he was the star, he was everything. Mm-hmm. And I was I was taking notes. Right? I was taking notes. And I was, you know, in in some in especially, you know, you're in a tampon meeting, you know, I have a few ideas on a sure. certain products and sectors that more so than others. Um, but, you know, those first 10 years, I was taking notes and uh, I was doing the books and I was running, you know, all the back end. I set up the website. I got us hmm. Reese.com, mm-hmm. unbelievable to get a website.
0: I got smz.com. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, three, three letters. Three letters yep. is
1: impossible. It's impossible. But you know what? You were around in 96 and probably pretty tech savvy. I was a computer nerd. You know, I was on the Commodore PET and uh, we Uh had an Apple II. And so um, in any case, so I kept him up with that stuff. You know, Jack Trout didn't get the website. Uh, He didn't have a kid there, um, you know, to to push Hmm. him onto the web early. You know, he was late. He wasn't a computer guy. He didn't even he had a secretary. He didn't want to use a computer. Um, And, you know, it was that generation that, you know, some of them, my dad got real you know, into computers and and some people didn't. Um but in any case, I mean those first 10 years, I mean, yeah, I think yeah, you know, I got an email and all that kind of stuff. Now the second 10 years is real, you know, when we started writing like the fall of advertising and and the rise of PR and and the origin of brands and um you know where I really was um Sharing ideas of concepts of examples of companies of of speaking up more in meetings. It was more of a give and take. It was helpful because I could speak and add ideas while my dad could think. <laughs>
0: I got um,
1: it. Yet, um, and and so you know, I was still taking notes and helping, but it was it was more of a, a joint session. Um, and uh, but I was still young, and he was still much older. Um, and he was still out. At, at, what,
0: at what point did you decide to take this business, Reese and Reese, to Atlanta? Is it still, in, or when we're what you're talking about right now? Are you in New York? No,
1: still that, that was point? at the very beginning. So. Oh, um
0: okay. So part we, uh, of the.
1: Yeah. Well, we know. Um, so I graduated college in ninety ninety three. We started the business in ninety four. And um, I got engaged and I got married in 97. So we had a three-year lease in New York. So and then the idea was I was married and where was I going to live? And my husband uh, was in consulting as well. And my parents were really ready to sell their big ginormous house in Long Island and you know do we move do they want to move to the city like a lot of their friends um and so it was really one of those opportunities to you know we can do whatever we want we can move anywhere and and that and so we we looked at a map and said we are al, al me and my husband, all we do is travel for work. We go to
0: airports a lot. We go
1: to airports. We need to fly around the country and around the world. And Atlanta was the best yes. and still is the best airport to travel okay. around the world. And yeah. so, and the warmer, it was my my father's always cold. He wanted it to be warm. My husband loves warm weather. And so, um, Arizona was about the only other one, but that is not a good place if you want to travel in terms of flights and such. So, um, Atlanta was it, it was pretty. And so we just packed up everything. We packed up my parents' house. We emptied that. We emptied the office. We emptied, you know, my husband and I have been living together in a rented house. We packed up my horse. We packed up the dogs. We even packed up my 90 year old grandpa stuck him on the top yeah. of the car. We flew, we drove right down to Atlanta and um, he was in a assisted living near me. He lived to a night, 102. Oh, wow. And so we all came down here and oh, with your, uh, with your started genetics, a new you know, life. You,
0: you know, with your genetics, you're going to be doing this for a while. <laughs> and, and then, so when, you know, where you kind of did some authoring of this idea of, of, uh, you know, this visual, the, the book covers are behind you for those. It's a podcast for those.
1: Yeah. Who see <laughs> They'll have it, to use their imagination.
0: But, ba- but ba- battle cry where you're sort of winning the mind with those thematics, but then this this visual hammer and these, mm-hmm. you know, the emotional power visuals. I mean, I, I know when our kids were really, really little in car seats in the back, and they would point or make sounds at, you know, a McDonald's or a Home Depot and that recognition, even pre of reading. Yeah. I knew then. <laughs> and it wasn't just because I grew up in this business. It's just the power of those things, good, you know, scary and good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but w- when did you create that? Uh have those insights and sort of build that out.
1: Yeah. Well, it's is it, that is in, the, good,
0: in that in the third of the twenty. That's the,
1: that's probably yeah, that's the that's the chapter. The third yeah, okay. that's the third chapter. So, and that's where um, you know, I I um, we have become really equals, um, you know, I, I, I never would say, um, you know, I, I, I took over because, you know, he was he was but he was my partner. I mean, it, it was not I was, you know, can be very direct and say no to him. You know? right. <laughs> but Maybe actually you have that idea. Actually, maybe I have a better idea. And that was a big change, um, and 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 felt like we were a true partnership, um, but also father daughter, which is you know a wonderful dynamic um, to to have in combination. But the um, but the idea too, and he was very generous um, because um, and he always was. If anyone who knew him, he would answer every email and and talk to everyone at a, a you know that wanted to talk to him after a speech. But we, uh, we, you know, we're doing the same, you know, strategy sessions. And of course, you know, the positioning book is all about words, about owning a word in the mind. And the book actually never even talks about visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, my father was always, you know, very visual and, and the ads he did and, and all of that. But we never really addressed it. It wasn't a, an immutable law. And, and we wrote many, many books and, and didn't really bring up bring it up. And in our work, we we did then realize that, wait a minute. The visual aspect can be really important. Um, We also noticed it with companies and brands like Coca-Cola and the the classic is the Coca-Cola contour bottle. Um, And you see how they have leveraged that in advertising or the Nike swoosh. (laughs) Um, You have um, one exciting one is the lime on the top of the Corona beer bottle. And what does that do? Well, it it does make it different. It does stand out, but it also communicates the essence of the brand. And that is that it is an authentic Mexican beer. What struck us about Corona was that it was a failing beer in Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) An absolute, not failure, but it wasn't doing well. Let's just say that. But the uh, importers came to America. They also hit at the right time that Mexican restaurants were, you know, taken off. Uh, but they they positioned it as you've got to put the lime in the beer if you sell the beer and they pressured them to do it that way. Um, but it really did. It, it's become the campaign of the, the yep. beer. It's become everything about the beer. Same with Stella Artois and the chalice, right? You got to serve it in a chalice. Um, you know, Stella Artois is the, if you haven't been to Europe, it's the Budweiser of Europe. It's not, you know, they sell it at McDonald's and paper cups, but, um, you know, they elevated it with this chalice idea um, particularly um, in, as an imported beer, but so, but you know, we we both realized the the idea of the concept. It's not like I had this uh, totally original idea. My dad had never thought of, but he did say, you know, you should write the book. You should write the book. Nice. Um, you know, you know, and uh, and that followed with. Uh, visual hammer, as well as battle cry, which is about finding a slogan and and using techniques like alliteration and repetition and double entendre. If you can throw those in there, it does make it much more memorable. A, a diamond is forever. There's not a woman alive that doesn't love that slogan.
0: Did you ever have, so could take us behind the curtain the littlest bit, you know, you're, you're out in front of these clients, your dad's doing his thing, you were taking notes, now you're learning to be this facilitator, and you're getting at all this stuff with clients, and that's the external, You you, you know, that's you on the stage, right? You're a performer. But running a business together, just mm-hmm. in the office, in between, kicking around book ideas… What was that dynamic like? Like, how did you guys make decisions about where to take the business, not physically to Atlanta, but where it was going to go in the future and what kind of clients you were or weren't going to serve or, uh, well, you know, what I kind of people we, you were going to bring on?
1: Um, yeah, well, we, we didn't, um, w- after running a big agency, he realized that he really did enjoy working with the clients and uh, the consulting. So we never hired people within our own, you know, U.S. team um but we did um when have had an office in china for 15 years and uh a a, a young guy over there had approached us we had gone out and we, so we set up that business but okay. you know we did talk a lot you know it was just a, a, a an unspoken code we both knew what would make a good client and what didn't um the 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 decision making process um you know of course we had family dinners and and talks and Actually, we emailed each other, even though he would sit across the room from me for many years. We we were both writers, and we would still right. email Get your thoughts each other
0: across better that way.
1: Yeah, and, but and he did. Yeah, he did leave a lot of the business side management to me. I mean, I handled, you know, all of the books, all of the websites, all, all of the, the
0: you were very the business operation stuff was on you. Yes, and which and and clearly, you're good at it, and you learned doing that probably makes you better sometimes with clients getting your hands into that to some degree. Correct.
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, I mean my, my father had had experience in that obviously. And so um, the good thing is, listen, my dad worked until he was 95 years old. I mean, he was, um, you know, sadly he he broke his hip and uh, that kind of was a quick decline. So he was still because it was, there.
0: It was, it was truly his passion. He loved doing it. Right. he,
1: and he was still able to do it. And I mean, still able like, to do well, it. Well, two things. I think that um, you know he was, but he did have the support of me as his partner to be able to do the parts of the business that he still enjoyed. Um, and right. I, I and think you know, as related. a yeah. yeah, I mean, as a as a daughter, um, you know, you you support your your parent in a, in a different way than had he just been, you know, my manager.
0: And did you, over those, you, you described the sort of those three phases and that, you know, it's a, um, you know, fair number of years you've been doing this. Uh, did you use the fact that it was generational? I mean, it's father and daughter, did, did was that a door opener? Was that something you talked about when you were, did you, I mean, I'm sure some of the, you know, global businesses you worked with also are proudly generational. Did How, how often did that come up? Or, or, well, yeah, it, it
1: came up in it came up in two ways. I think, um, you know, in that that first phase of the business, it didn't really matter. I was just there,
0: right? Um,
1: you know, uh, oh, here's her daughter. He's bringing mm. in his daughter. Like, I wonder if she's even gonna if if she even wants to be there. Right? Okay. <laughs> but I, and I did show up, and I, I yeah. As soon as they met me, they knew I I loved it and wanted to be there, and and was passionate. Um, I think then you know in in the second phase, it was like a by uh, one, get one free. Um, they, they bought Al Reese, but they got me for free. Right. So that was a kind of a, 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 cool sort of part of it. Um, and then, you know, now, you know, I've become, you know, a lot, I do a lot of TV appearances and I became more of a, you know, a known entity and in, in my own right. Um, and so, you know, was, was, it was awesome to have both of us, but I, I do think, you know, to your point, that there was a sense, and I think it would have hurt my dad. You know, hiring a guy in his late eighties. Um, you know, companies can be worried: is Is he really up to speed with what's mm. going on now? Sure. Is he really current? And he was pretty current. But it, it, I don't. I think it helped him that he had me, and I think it helped the client um, that he had me. Um, but I do say, I will say that people were loved the fact that it was generational. And my dad always said that after a speech, when you know, we gave a lot of things to get, we did a little, a lot of all day seminars together. Okay. And he couldn't have done that without me. Cause it's hard to do it all sure. day by yourself. Sure. Um, and after the speech, he would get people from all over the world. How did you do it? How did you get your daughter to work with you? Oh, they just, he said that was the most asked question. Um, and, uh, you know, he basically said, I didn't tell her she had to.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, I mean, I, I'm came from, you know, the family business thing where never pressured to go into it, you know, your own choice, but certainly not gonna not if the path was there. And I do know others where some young people had no choice. Yeah. Others were, you know, very strict rules about when or if they could join. So I mean, that's why I'm studying this and interviewing these different setups. So, you know, you got hit books and you're speaking around the world and you're serving some of the, you know, really, uh, just the, the, the very well-known brands and even helping brands become well-known brands. But there have to be a couple of, uh, I'll call them failures, but mistakes or things that went off the rails a little bit, or the one story you tell, because not everything's perfect, right? So, <laughs> in those three chapters, like, what's something that went a little sideways, and how you and your 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 father Al dealt with that?
1: Um, sure. Uh, I think probably the the most classic story is that um, there was a a big. Uh, there's was a lot of media surrounding this idea of of, of media and technology convergence. That things okay. were coming together, right? That the the, the T, you weren't gonna you'd have one appliance that was would do everything, right? That it was the TV and the internet in one. You were gonna get your your newspaper off the TV. There was the flying car. Was the best example. People sure. forever have been trying to make a flying car. <laughs>
0: Right. The Jetsons becomes real.
1: Right. There was a a lot of, you know, early technology of interactivity. And um, and and so and that was a that was in the the mid uh, mid 2000s. And so my dad was pretty, you know, opposed to that. Obviously, a flying car is the problem is it's not a very good car and it's not a very good plane. (laughs) right? Mm-hmm. So you really put yourself at a disadvantage. And our, our, our philosophy was always that it was, it's better to be focused. It's better to be good at one thing than to be kind of so-so at two things. Now there's always the the rationale for convenience, right? So, you know, a Swiss army knife, maybe if, if you really need it, it's there, but it's not very good at any of those tools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, so the one mistake my father did make, and I tried to tell him, um, but he, he thought for sure the iPhone was going to be a failure. Hmm. <laughs> he said that it was going to be a combination device. All
0: all of this stuff is Swiss Army knife. It is. It's a digital. Well,
1: And computer. I I think that um well one of the things was well, because it was it was the the iPhone was going against the Blackberry. The
0: Blackberry at the time. Right? Right? The Blackberry so focused. It's a
1: the Blackberry and and what was the Blackberry at the time? The only thing you did with a phone. You did two things with a phone. Listen up, young people. You made phone calls, you texted, and you emailed. That's three things, but two of them are kind of similar. You, you <laughs> make phone calls, you texted, and you emailed. The BlackBerry, to this day, bar none, is the best at all three of those.
0: It was, oh, yep,
1: the best. That you could not. Be, I mean, people st- I mean, t- talk to me about typing on an iPhone. So. You know when it came out, we're like, wait a minute, it's it's trying to be all thick. And I was like, but Dad, but you know, there's there's other these app things, and there's these there's this more technology coming. And um and although I still love my keyboard, but um yeah, so we did kind of have a have
0: did, a did as 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 he had to shift gears from this iPhone thing's not going to make it to, you know, there's like, they're standing in line for number two and number three and number four and number seven, the the, one of your immutable laws, which was kind of like visual shapes more through the windshield, right? Like, did you, did you modify that one to the, it had a fit in the box of an app? I mean, did. did... No,
1: I think um, what we didn't realize is that the iPhone created a new category that um, it wasn't no longer a phone. It was a smartphone, and they actually repositioned Nokia, which was the world leader in phones, um, to be a dumb phone, and it has become a new category that you know my father didn't see coming, um, nor did a lot of people. Right. I mean, they, you know they 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 were excited about Apple and the iPod, right? And the technology of Steve Jobs was a god. And uh, you know he launched the Newton too. <laughs> yeah. or, you know there. Did were... you ever do?
0: Did you ever do any work for Apple in any? Yes. Of
1: those... yeah. yeah. Well, okay. my father named the Apple IIe, As a matter of fact, it wow. was a long time ago, so we didn't work in the recent era of Apple. But um, yes, back in the day, he uh, did. But. The, the realization and really the principle stayed true that it, it was a new category and it was first in that new category. And it was such a revolutionary new category that sometimes you can't see it. Um, and that is, you know, listen, that, that happens. And, and really the, what happened in the BlackBerry, the BlackBerry ended up being one of those transitional categories that was very short lived. It's like, do you remember the Wang, uh, word processor? Wang word processor took us from typewriters to computers. <laughs> and, you know, you all of a sudden had a, a word processor in your computer. You didn't need a, a, com- a machine called a word processor. Right. What fax. What's a fax machine? It's exactly that. It took us from, you know, mailing to emailing um, and the ability to do that. And,
0: and so the ones that are sort of the bridge and that. Absolutely. Sort of it's the a bridge the ones that are durable and and have a longer run and you don't know it at the time, right?
1: You don't always know it. And so, you know, listen, I mean, of all the massive things he predicted like the decline of all the japanese brands that were line extended i mean the decline he predicted of ge ibm sony i mean those were things that he was laughed at ridiculed i mean just unbelievable terrible things said about him as well in the 80s the 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 the, the, the complaining about the decline of of um the line extension of say the the light beers i mean the beer you know it's been terrible the the decline because of the the massive line extensions of these products so he was you know the thing about branding um you know the the immutable laws it there's there can be exceptions in some cases there are mm-hmm. exceptions and and two like you you it, just because you are wrong once out of a thousand times doesn't mean your principles are wrong. <laughs>
0: and then now as you shift into the future and i know it's 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 short amount of time since your father's passing and you're both dealing with that as a family and as a business what are kind of what are you thinking about planning looking at for the future of this business. Is there a, gen- is there a G3 that may be getting involved? I don't <laughs> uh, not they're...
1: quite yet. Okay. Um, I've got, I do have two boys. Uh, they both have Reese as their middle name. So we, we made sure to keep that name, um, uh, within their name, um, and within them. So I have, uh, a, one son in college and one son in high school. Oh, wonderful. So no one's, no one's in the pipeline at, at, at the moment. Um, I do have my partner um, in China who's a little bit younger than me and um, that business. But I will say, um, you know, for people that have this kind of family dynamic of, um, you know, the, the family business, when the person passes, it is a very unique experience that I think only people in our situation can understand, um, you know. Listen, unfortunately, everybody loses a parent and it's a very sad thing. Um, And it's experienced by, you know, most people, unless they were, you know, sadly didn't know their parent or they died before they were old enough. But when you have an older parent and um, they're clearly, you know, in a hospice situation and they're dying, um, you know, I had a lot of, you know, people who could sympathize with me and we talked about it, but, I then had to realize and I quickly had to switch and say, Oh, can I, can I curse?
0: You can. Yes.
1: Oh my (laughs) God. I have, I mean, the queen had died the month before and I thought to myself because in my heart and I think many of people's minds, Al Reese is the king of positioning and when he goes down, I need a plan. This right. is not going to be just my family's event. It's not going to be just my company's event. This is going to be a world event, not on the scale of the queen. Right. I know that, but in the certain sector of the world, my dad is famous. And any, any successful business person who is, has a name is an event. Um, And so, you know, <laughs> you have to, I mean, my brother and I were, you know, we had to write the, a bit, the open, we had to yeah. be ready. We had to plan what the PR strategy. I had a website, you know, in development. Um. I had, I'm reaching out to people to get quotes. I'm calling magazines, newspapers, New York times,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, ad age trying to figure out the, because my golly, what, wow. you know, I've got to make this, um, make him be remembered. Right. Um, and, uh, and I know people would want to know, I mean, you know, there were so many they wanted to know. I mean, people appreciated the, yeah. um, the info, the calls, um, and it was a joyous, you know, luckily having, because he lived so long, it, it does become a celebration. You're not, you know, we're always sad not to have one more day, but, um, I think, you know, when someone passes, the opportunity to memorialize them of what they did in their life to share their life story. And by golly, you know, we're marketing people. I had to get that right because, you know, that would be embarrassing. Um, and, and just, you know, I, it, it just, that was my, you know, I was very much consumed with being there with my dad, of course, till you know, I was with him the every practically every second of the last three weeks, but um, you know, to, to make sure that, um, you know, it was going to, it was going to be an impactful um, in time.
0: Well, you did it very honorably and beautifully. And, and it's, it's, uh, you're right, you do have to have plans. I mean, you know, the stories of businesses that have leaders and people with that level of both experience and fame, whatever, and that then they don't have a plan and something happens in it. Yeah, it, the last thing, Father Juan is the legacy of all that he did and built and creates a business. And then that affects the business after he's, gone, you know. <laughs>
1: well, so, yeah. But, and I yeah. think just his, his legacy and his memory of people to also, you know, re- remind them of um, what positioning meant to them with that many people, you know, have read that book or many of the other books um, and the business was going to be fine. Obviously, I was in place. We didn't have anything complicated. That was of ease. But just to make sure that, um, you know, people he left a mark and, uh, and to make that, to make that a big deal, but I will say, and I'd love to give this advice to anyone, um, especially if they have, you know, the family, I think. Yeah. Give
0: whatever advice you want to give to them. I mean, the you know, the universe of people in family businesses is larger than I realized as I started doing this venture. And the, the amount of advice for them is smaller than, in many other spaces. And there's a lot that kind of people talk about or think about or wish to get at that sometimes is tricky with family members. because mm-hmm. yeah, And I mean, you probably had some moments like that, probably in your earlier years, where you maybe talked around things, and you wanted to get to a matter at hand that was business. And, you know, you were talking about your marriage or life or whatever else, but you got there. But yeah, give please give whatever advice you yeah, want. Yeah,
1: no, well, I think um, you do. I you do have to be generous with each other. Um, and and he was very generous with me, and and giving me time to raise my kids while also being in the business. Um, and but I mean, I you know was always very driven. But I I think there's an opportunity, and and you know I I I did this on a not a a whim, but a gut instinct. And I think it was one of the best things I did for my dad, for myself and um, for everybody really. But, you know, my dad celebrated, um, he celebrated his 90th birthday. That was kind of nice. And, you know, we had some friends come in, but he turned 95 last year and it was about two weeks before. Uh, it was still COVID and he was very scared of mm. COVID. So we couldn't yeah. have a party. We couldn't get together. We were going to do a Zoom, but I said, I'm going to make him a website because he can't hear on zoom. He cannot hear the people. There's too much going on. And he likes to sit with things and have things and he doesn't want a card. He hates cards. (laughs) Um, I said, I'm going to make him a website. And so my idea was we have, I have a lot of extended family. They don't always know him, but on the website, I'm going to tell his story. I'm going to put, um, you know, his early years, give a quick bio. And then I'm going to have everyone send me little messages with photos of them and Al and their story. So I collected it from, from family, which was nice, but more importantly, is business and associates and friends. So clients, um, friends and people just to say how, important al was to them how much um they loved him or just how they touched him and Rance wrote this big thing about how they you know started and his brother wrote this nice thing about him and i put it all on this website a couple people did videos um actually many people did videos saying like how um you know what how, how there's how is how their how his books changed their life how his advice changed their business and how much it was just and so all of this on this website and we, um, I kept it under wraps. I worked day and night, like literally day and night. Um, and But people got us the stuff and um, we we went over and did a Zoom and showed it to my dad and he was, you know, blown away and he spent the next several months like going back to it and he personally right. wrote everybody um, a letter. And that, of course, website, you can see now it's at alreese.com, uh, became his tribute website after he passed. And, you know, I think about the website and much of it is, you know, what I did for him and, you know, his birthday. I took out happy birthday on on the quotes and added a ton more, but you know what, to show someone what they meant while they're still alive. um, We we do all this stuff after they die and they don't get to appreciate it because they're dead. And I think the fact of we had like two memorials for him or two celebrations for him, I should say, at 95, um, he knew how much he was loved. He knew how much people, his clients and family and friends, and they put it in words, right? They didn't say it, you know, they didn't have a big party that's a day. They put it in real words and it was on a real website. It could be privacy protected. My sister made me make it privacy protected, but um, now it's public because he's passed and it's just the public oh. information that we wanted. But um, it, it's really become a wonderful thing for, for the company as well as to show people um you know who don't get the chance to meet him who he was what he did what he meant and you get to have that as a legacy it doesn't matter you know how famous you are having someone write a really good obit is something everybody should have
0: that's that's great i mean i've i've heard some people that do young presidents organization and ypo sessions where they make the person next to them you know they basically write yeah. their obit while they're still alive and and then, to your point about focus, those things that are in there, those are the things that define them. So spend your time doing that. And if the stuff yeah. that you didn't put in there, why are you wasting your time on that? It's a good exercise for living a life. And and but it, you know,
1: and- it is a very good exercise, and it's actually something that you know in our conversations, um, you know, with my dad. You know, he did really reflect on the fact that, you know, positioning was it. I mean, that is what he will be remembered for. Um, you know, he did a lot of things, but it was an amazing, um, an amazing accomplishment to to put that idea in the world. And he actually said, he said, I should have focused only on that. Um, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have moved. He said the publishers wanted me to always write a new book. I should have only done positioning. And, um, and, and, two, you know, he was a teacher to the end and just the day before he passed, he wanted me to, I was, I, I gave my presentation for him and he was giving me pointers, um, you know, slow down. Don't, don't click too fast.
0: Just a, just a regular piece of work for a client, you mean, or.
1: No, it was, um, so it, it was position, a visual hammer. So we have kind of a standard speech that we would give. So I sure. gave him, I did the standard speech in front of him. Um, we had the hospital bed, but the big TV and wow, um, he had he had worked on some of the slides, um, you know, I was going to be doing an event in a few months. And so um, but I, I did this with him so that he could feel, you know, like he was imparting that I was like, I knew that would be something that would make him happy. And uh, it made me happy, too. Right. Um, You know, there's nothing more that a family business than I think that the older generation wants to give the younger generation all of their wisdom, all of their tips and tricks. And um, and I think that the younger generation has to remember, you know what, sometimes you got to shut up and listen. Yeah. And I hadn't I, I had been so busy. I didn't make the time to sit there and do the presentation for my dad. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, my son's applying to college. You know, you get so busy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, don't forget, even though they're older, there's still so much that they can tell you. Even if they're not, you know, day to day, there's so much they can tell you. Even though I've given a million speeches, you know what? He was right.
0: <laughs> I was
1: talking too fast, I was clicking too quickly. And, um, I love that he, um, that he was able to do that. And then I love that I was able to just slow down, you know, and and listen. And uh, so that is, uh, you know, you were, that's what you remember. And uh, I'm glad that I have it to remember.
0: I, I mean, I think you've addressed this. And I, I, I have one question that I sort of end these conversations with, with everybody that have, we've done this podcast, which has been, you know, what is the most fulfilling thing for you about this generational business? And I I know in some of your other writings and talks, you know, you've, you and your father talked about the joy that the business has brought you, but you know, that example you just gave of, of, of him critiquing and helping you hone your talk, but anything else that you would want to add to that, just the fulfillment of, of what you've built to this point and are still carrying on.
1: he gave me everything and i was lucky enough to um to absorb it um to go with him on it and then brave enough to go on with it now after that he's passed and to feel that i um i have i have um i have him within me but i'm also strong enough to to do it on my own and, you know, maybe even make some improvements. Um, and I think that's, uh, it's, uh, it's been an amazing journey. It's, it's something I've obviously reflected on. Um, and, uh, it was, he was the perfect, you know, he was just a wonderful partner. I mean, nobody's perfect, but, um, he Sorry. was wonderful.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're pretty wonderful at what you do and, and speaking about it. And I, I, I thank you so much for you know sharing so honestly and and for carrying something on that I mean if you're in any form of the advertising business and you haven't talked about positioning you know the Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 times <laughs> of practice and you haven't you haven't done your job thanks for joining generation excellence thank you so much generation excellence is a production of SMZ advertising Thanks to Joel Bienenfeld, Jeff Martin, and Bridget Georgeski for help with this program. Thank you for listening, and please share, leave reviews, and contact me if you have any thoughts, ideas, questions. Until next time.